It's good to see you. Good to be here, as always. I think I say it every week, but Wednesday night is my favorite night of the week. Um, actually, I'm going to need that. <sighs> my favorite night of the week. I love being with you guys. I love seeing you guys, and it's probably the most refreshing time, the midweek digging in of his word. So I hope um, you guys are blessed tonight, and I know the Spirit's going to move and has a word for us. So grab your Bibles. Um, we're going to be Mark 7, 1 through 23 tonight. If you guys um, are not regulars here, which I'm looking at most of you and you are, um, we're doing the timeline study through um, Jesus' ministry here on earth through the Gospels, basically. So we're just going not necessarily verse by verse through a single chapter, but we are going timeline through what's going on with Jesus and the boys. Um, so we find ourselves tonight in Mark 7, 1 through 23. Um, fairly simple. This one was, I don't want to say easy to study, but it's pretty straightforward what's going down. Um, well, before we get into all that, let's pray um, over the word and that the spirit would move tonight. Amen. Let's do it. Father, <sighs> your word deserves honor. Lord, you deserve honor and focus. So, Lord, I pray tonight that you would just quiet our hearts, quiet our minds. Father, would your spirit move in this place? Lord, would your spirit move through me? And I've, I've studied and looked and learned. But, Lord, at the end of the day, we need to hear from you and not the cool things that I have to offer. So, Father, we pray that you would take over tonight. Lord, would your word go out? And, Lord... I know that when it does, it will change us. So, Father, thank you so much for who you are and that you allow us to do this. Thank you for this safe and beautiful place where we get to be with you and your perfect and holy name. Amen. Amen. Almost fell asleep right there. It's been a long week. Mark 7, 1 through 23. <laughs> it's an AC Wednesday. Different kind of Wednesday. <laughs> 1 through 23. So um, where we're picking up in chapter 7, Jesus is going to be dealing with the spiritual big dogs of that area in, in Israel, the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, little context here. They're going to be, we're going to see them kind of parading in behind Jesus' ministry, what's been going on. We've seen the feeding of the 5,000 healings. And the Pharisees and the scribes, as we're going to see in this first verse, have been sent out from Jerusalem. And they're just kind of following the coattails, following Jesus. And the boys, as we're going to see in this first verse, they're basically looking for wrongdoing. There's jealousy. They're probably taking people away from the synagogues, maybe. It's not good for business. This Jesus' ministry is just not basically good for the top dog spiritually in the land. So verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. So like I just said, I almost got, kind of got ahead of myself there. There's been this like faction sent from Jerusalem basically to go meet up with Jesus. And this isn't like an honest meeting of, hey, we're just going to go see what's, what's this all about. We've been hearing of Jesus. We hear this ministry. People are getting healed. People are being fed. Demons are getting thrown out of people. What's going on? We know that because in Mark 3, I think it's 3.22 or 3.19. I can't remember. You guys will have to go check it out later. This has kind of already happened. 
the Pharisees have already rolled up on Jesus and basically said, hey, this guy is casting out names or casting out demons in the name Beelzebub, basically saying, hey, he's possessed with a demon. So this isn't an honest visit. They've already made up their mind. They've already made up their stance on who Jesus is, the trouble that this ministry is, and what's going on in this ministry. So again, this isn't the Pharisees and scribes coming in to just check it out. They've already made up their mind about what Jesus is, the trouble that it is, and they're basically coming, as we're going to see in this next couple verses, to point fingers and find where they can prick away at the validity of Jesus' ministry and his followers. So verse 2. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. Boom. And their eyes, they got it. There it is. Ah, mm. Did you see that? I didn't see him wash his hands ceremonially. So basically, they think they got him. They come up, they roll up, they're watching. I, I don't want to think that this happened right away. This has probably taken maybe a little bit of time. They've been cruising with him, watching. And in this moment, they finally, hey, there it is. That's a problem. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. I don't know what your version says. I had the NKJV, New King James Version. In a special way, holding, key phrase here at the end, the tradition of the elders. Verse 4, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Um, actually, we'll get to five verse, or verse 5 later. So, they got them, seemingly. They find fault. They're not washing their hands. What's the basis of this? Ceremonially, back in Exodus 20, um, is kind of where they pulled this from, the cer ceremonial washing of the hands. It was basically meant, as a good thing for the people initially to keep um, just basic hygiene for the people when they eat, but it was twisted and manipulated down and down and down the line into basically not Scripture, not a direct commandment of God, but basically what these guys are saying is wrong is that, hey, these disciples, they're not following the tradition of the elders. So basically what you would do... Um, in the basic fashion is before your meal, it was one and a half, one and a half eggshells? One and a half eggshells, shells, shells, that you would take and run over the tip of your fingers down to your elbow. I think they would, would they flip their elbows and it would run down? Basically one and a half eggshells and then rub their fists together basically to cleanse their hands. That's what they're looking for. And apparently they don't see the disciples doing this. And if you were a great Jew or a good Jew, you wouldn't just do this before the meal. You would do this between every single course of the meal. Again, not scriptural, completely religious um, redundancy. And this oral law from the, from the Pharisees and scribes, not commanded by the Lord. Um, it's the Mishnah. I'm just, I'm going to be looking at you a lot tonight through this. The Mishnah. Basically, they took uh, the scribes and Pharisees over between the Old Testament and New Testament, um, the commandment of God, and they would interpret and put their own um, implications or their own um, interpretations of what that law meant 
and it went down and down and down the line until at this section, specifically regarding the washing and their ceremonial washing, it was about from like what is 20 verses or so, um, it's about 65 pages worth of basically this law or 65, 68, somewhere in there of this law that was ceremonial. Completely rigorous and like again, I'll say again probably a few more times tonight, not scriptural, not commanded by God, but commanded by the Pharisees and the scribes. And at this time too, the, in that day, it was more important to these guys, the Pharisees, the top dogs, that you listen not necessarily to the commandment of God, but that you would follow their commands, their traditions. It was almost more gnarly to disobey what the Pharisees and scribes had put into place than to directly obey the commandment. It was held in a higher esteem. Their word had taken precedence. Their tradition had taken precedence, though in their eyes was aligned with God's will for them, had taken precedence over God's commandment for the people. Does all that make sense? Kind of in there? Sweet. So again, this is not a godly command. This is not scripture that's bound to. This is them basically saying, hey, they're not following our traditions. Um, but Jesus and the boys are there, and they're eating, and they're enjoying food. And basically these guys come in, they accuse them of this, and the Pharisees and the scribes, verse 5, asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? So they finally, they get to Jesus and they say, hey, what's up with this? They're not following the traditions of the elders. They're not prescribing to what is commanded by them through the oral law. Verse 6, heavy. He, Jesus, answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Again, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, obviously, when we read the text and when I read the text like this, it's super, super easy. And obviously, the correct way to look at this is the Pharisees um, were in the wrong. But I kind of thought about it maybe from their perspective for a moment. And maybe back in the day, obviously not these guys, but I wonder if all these things came as like, their good intentions to set up boundaries for themselves that they would stay within God's will. So what started as maybe, um, hey, like we're, we're going to wash our hands. Hey, we're also going to wash the bowls and the tables. And we're going we're gonna to wash this too. We don't want to step outside of this thing, maybe in good intention, but it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew into this uncalled for, basically religious, ceremonial garbage and so the lord calls him out he says hey well did isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites you honor me with your lips but your heart is far from me and that's heavy and i think for these guys he was nailing it on the head hey it's not about the washing of your hands i didn't command this this isn't what the real issue is you're trying to honor me with what you're doing but your heart is far from me And I thought about that, actually, I think as I was studying for this week, it was pretty heavy for me, because if that phrase right there doesn't like tick a little bit in your heart, at least it did for me, very honestly, 
Because there's been times where I can come in on a Sunday and I'm not bitter, not angry, not, not really in any type of way, in a mood or whatever, but I can come in and worship starts and David or Austin is up here singing and praising the Lord and I'm just kind of da-da-da-da-da, singing along, but my heart is nowhere near. I'm not worshiping in spirit and in truth. I'm just present. Now, obviously, what these guys were doing, specifically in this context of the food and the ceremonial washing, I know those are different things, but that heart and that lane of, um, of what Jesus is getting at, getting to their hearts, I think that spoke to me, and I think that kind of woke me up a little bit to the things that I do daily or the things that I want to honor the Lord in, but I think have just become a little bit of just me just rinse and repeat the things that I just do normally. I don't know what those things are for you, but I'm sure that there are a few but I just wanted to be upfront with you guys and say, hey, like, I think this is something we need to be careful of. Now, the whole, this whole passage is going to be getting to a heart issue. They came in, they wanted to find fault, so they pointed something on the outside ceremonially. But Jesus goes directly to the, issue, the heart of the issue, which is the heart. And so that's not to, I don't mean to pound that into the ground or, or chastise you guys in any way, but I think that little thing right there, hey, do you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me? Is that you guys? Or is that me? For me, for sure, at times, unfortunately. And I think the Lord in his graciousness and in his love and mercy toward us is quick to let us know, hey, you're doing this in your flesh. Or hey, 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 like, focus up. Hey, your heart's not with me right now. You're focused. You're distracted. I don't know what it is. And I don't mean to harp on that, but I think that was for me this week as I was studying I, even in my studying, was I just doing it to make sure I had all the things, the right things to say, or make sure that I showed up prepared and I got the right message for you guys and that I nailed all the points on the head, which I'll probably never do? Or did I come to just spend time with the Father? Did I come just plainly and boldly and just say, Lord, I just want to be here with you. I want you to spend this time with me. And I think, at least, yeah, specifically, guys, for me, not to harp on this anymore. I think that hit me hit home a little bit this week. If that does for you as well, I pray that the Lord would just reveal those things to you gently or maybe abruptly. I don't know what we'll need or what you'll need. But let's be aware of those things, huh? When we show up, let's worship in spirit and in truth. When the word is cracked open on Sunday and Steve's here and he's teaching, let's be involved. Let's not just be, and I'm guilty of this too, like, oh, Dodger scored. Oh, huh? Oh, Dodger scored again. Um, gosh but I hope that all makes sense let's move on oh verse 7 and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men so they were basically and I know that this doesn't happen in our day and age ever right we don't take the commandments of men and the things that we believe are correct for church or our lives and teach them as doctrine I know we wouldn't do that we do, guys. Not we, but the church, unfortunately, is really guilty of this. I was trying to think of examples, and I don't mean to put anybody on blast uh, or any specific church or any specific pastor, but this is something to be very careful of. I think whenever we're hearing from the Word, and we're so blessed, guys, to be at a church where I know Steve's heart and I know David, and my heart is this, that I just want to be able to open up the Word, plainly say, 
hey, this is what God's Word says. I don't want to put my agenda on you. I don't want you to be pulled this way or that way. Jesse, listen. Um, but the goal and intent is for you, to guys, for you guys to hear from the Lord, for us to present truth and say, okay, now the Holy Spirit will have its work in you. Our goal is not to say, here is Calvary Chapel North Shore's way that you will uh, achieve righteousness and perfection within 12 months. Here's what we do. That's not our goal. And I think we need to be very aware and very on alert. Guys, we need to know our word. When you start to hear things of pastors saying things that are, you know, you can't quite find in Scripture, maybe a little nugget of truth is in there, but you start noticing, hey, this doesn't align with the Lord's heart. This doesn't align with what I've been commanded to do as a believer. Let's be wary of that, okay, guys? But this is what the Lord's hammering in on these guys. Hey, your heart is far from me. You worship me in vain, and you're teaching as, better read that, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So three pretty big things. Verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. So he's just basically calling them out, saying, hey, there's a lot of things that you do in your own tradition, in your own way, abandoning what God is, what I've commanded you to do. You've thrown it to the side. You do this in many areas. Verse 9, he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you, I'm sorry, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which, has, uh, which you have handed down and many such things you do. Excuse me, guys. Mm. That's nice. Corbin. Basically, what they were doing, what was, again, just kind of going down the line of, hey, Moses commanded you to honor your father and your mother. Somewhere down the line, Corbin was instituted, and Corbin is, a, is not necessarily specific to this, but Corbin basically says, hey, like this money or this um, herd or this uh, whatever it is, belongings, I'm, what's the correct word here? I am offering it over to God as a um, gift to God. But the, Jesus is saying here, like, hey, you're told to honor your father and your mother. But when your father and your mother come to you, maybe in need or needing help, and they say, hey, Josh, we need a couple, like, couple bucks for burgers. JJ's really hungry. And I, I would basically say to them, like, ooh, I would love to help you guys out, Jason, Regina, JJ. But this money I've, I've given to God as a gift. I can't help you here. This is Corbin. This is not for you. I would love to help you. I would love to honor you guys in this way, but I've given this to the Lord, so I can't. That's basically the heart. It was skirting around the law of just making it its own thing, basically to basically skirt out and move away from this commandment that God had given. Hey, honor your father and your mother. And they said, hmm, okay, we can honor our father and our, father and our mother, but if we give this over to God when it's inconvenient for us to honor our father and our mother, we can just basically say, Corbin, 
This isn't for you. It's for the Lord. Manipulative and twist, twisty. So he's basically saying, hey, you do this with the cups. You do this with the washing. Here's another example of what you guys are doing. And uh, 13, I thought was interesting. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Guys, God does not command things of us, does not command us to follow him, to take things away from us, but rather to be a blessing to us. Amen? It's not his intention, his heart to yank good things away from us. On the contrary, when he commands us to do certain things, it's a blessing when we honor the Lord. It's a blessing when we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to listen to your commandment. I'm going to honor you here, whatever area it is. But basically, Jesus is saying, hey, you've removed the effect of my commandment for this people because you want to you do your own thing. As an encouragement for you guys, if the Lord's put something on your heart or commanded you guys to do something specifically and you've kind of pushed it away, Lord, I, I, I can't do that right now because I have this. I have this thing going on. Lord, I, I would love to listen to your commandment for me, but I can't. I have X, Y, Z going on. Would I encourage you to just be obedient? Amen? It's hard at times to be obedient. Whether it's, I think a big one for me in my life has been finances and just that financial security. And I think we all lean towards, that's, that's, we want to be good with our finances. And Lord, you told me to be a good steward of my finances, right? I want to get this right. And maybe that's just something I'm, I'm off the top of my head. Maybe it's not for you guys, but I've been so blessed in my life when, hey, here's 100 bucks. I feel like the Lord's been putting it on my heart to give to you. I've been putting it off for, hey, this is for you. There's such an immense blessing when we just honor the Lord and are obedient to him. Amen? Let's be obedient to the Lord. 14. When he called, or I'm sorry, when he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone and understand. Speaking in parable here, there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, remember, the direct context of what we're talking about is that washing of the hands and the food and the defilement of that scenario, right? The reason I say that, and we're, we're going to get through that as well in the later verses when it's explained to the disciples. But ba- basically in this, par- or in this parable, it's like, hey, there's nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Basically, it's saying, hey, there's nothing that we can put in ourselves regarding this food that defiles a man. That's not necessarily cleanliness of your hands or your body, but defiles a man spiritually. 17. The same, kind of under the same train of thought. So actually, let me not get too far ahead of myself. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Hey, do you guys not get it as well? Basically, Jesus is saying, Hey, like, do you not understand as well what I'm saying to you? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, 
and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. So again, same context, food, the washing of the hands and the defilement of that bread. He's basically saying to them, hey, don't you, don't you get this? There's nothing that you can take within your body that's going to defile you because it goes into your stomach and out, is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And basically, Jesus is explaining to the disciples, hey, what you take in is not affecting your heart. It's not defiling you here. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For whom within, oh, I'm sorry, let me get this correctly. The page flip, that's a toughie. For whom within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Hey, it's not what you're eating that's defiling you. That's taken care of. It's what comes out of a man that defiles you. And we see simply here what the Lord is referring to. Hey, he's talking about your heart. Out of your heart comes the, fornic- the fornications, adulteries, murders, thefts. Guys, when we take in food or when we, whatever we take in, now, I actually had this thought as well I want to share with you guys. Obviously, there's a few things we know, like if you are taking in too much alcohol, can that defile you? Absolutely, right? There can be drunkenness, whether it's drugs or whatever it is. So again, context is food here. But we know there are things that we take in that can affect the commandments of God. Hey, be sober-minded. We know that there are those things, correct? But Jesus is kind of tripping them out here because they have their kosher diet. They would trip if they knew what he was going to do to that not long after this. But he's basically saying, hey, it's not the food. What flows from your heart is what defiles you. And guys, I don't think we have to look very far. In fact, today, (laughs) to be very honest with you guys, I was doing my last job. Um, I work a full day, mostly a full day before coming out here. And I had to replace a pump for an AC unit, and I'm trying to rush to get over here. It's, it's like getting a little later. I try to be off a little sooner so that I can get my last bit of study time and get over here, and I'm, I've been thinking about this all day, and it's pretty straightforward, right? We know, hey, there's, in us is no good thing apart from the Lord, and it's in our hearts where we have those temper tantrums or the overflow of our hearts that has that anger or those lustful thoughts, whatever it is, and I'm thinking through this, and I'm like pondering the scripture, and I'm working with this thing, and it just dumps all this disgusting water, like, all over me. It was so gross. And I'm pondering this scripture, and I'm just, like, my just rage, and like, bubbled up inside of me. And I was cracking up, because I was like, there it is, Lord. And that didn't take long. <laughs> so we know, we know that it doesn't take much or long for those things to just bubble up out of us, that anger, that whatever it is which is why we know through his word and we have the benefit of having the whole counsel of his word that, hey, the Lord has wants to renew our mind and renew who we are so that that junk as he is working through us through that sanctification process is just being weeded out and taken care of. But we know this to be truth, don't we? It doesn't take long. You don't have to travel far. In fact, you only have to look in the mirror to realize, hey, like that defilement, comes from here it comes from my heart it comes from Libby's heart 
Libby Beal in the house. And I thought, guys, and I know it's an uncomfortable topic and none of us like that look in the mirror aspect. But I think what a good application for us tonight is, Lord, have I allowed you to work in my heart? Am I allowing, and maybe it's not the murders or the fornications, but is there envy, bitterness? Like what is it in our hearts that we've allowed to take residence? Like what do we not kick out? For me, it's that, it's that flare of anger when I get dripped on by the AC gross water. It's bitterness towards a, I don't know, a client that is just rough or hard to work around. I don't know what it is for you guys. But I want us to take in this full text. And again, the context is this food, which I find funny because I think more than anywhere I've ever lived, this place is, I don't know what it is. We have a lot of beautiful, clean living, great food, and there's a lot of ways to stay very healthy. And I wholeheartedly think that is a great thing. But for whatever reason, we just put a ton of emphasis on at least I have heard this. I don't know if you have. But if you're not eating correctly, if you're not doing the right things with your diet, it can affect your spirituality and it can affect the way that you have your relationship with God. Hogwash. Calling it. It's great. It's really good for you. Point them to this or be reminded of this. It's a great thing, guys. But if there are those flare-ups, don't look at your veggies. Don't look at the pork. Don't look at the McDouble, whatever it is, and blame that. It's an overflow of our heart. Again, like I said, it's tough to look in the mirror and face some of these things because as you go down the list, pride, that's a big one. Oh, Lord, when's the last time I gave you my pride? When's the last time you gave the Lord your pride? Or have you let it just to kick it and stay there? It's ugly. It's wrong. I loved worship tonight. And after studying this all week, my heart for worship tonight, for me personally, guys, was, Lord, I, wanted, I want my heart to align with yours. I don't want to worship you in vain. I want to be close to you guys. If we want to be in that close and intimate relationship with our Jesus, I think we need to allow him to do heart surgery on us, to just lay on the table and say, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? Search me, O Lord. I know it's a simple thing. I told David, I was like, it's pretty simple stuff. Like this isn't, it's not incredibly, I'm sure it's way deeper than my little brain can imagine. But as far as like this context and just right here, I was like, it's pretty simple. Like it's a pretty simple take. But I think it's detrimental to our walks that we not just allow our hearts to run rampant throughout. So guys, as we close out you down to do one more over it yeah chef you chef you down sick um let's do one song if can is that a bad idea okay let's do one song during this song take a moment or two just in prayer by yourselves and just ask the Lord to search your heart. This week was really humbling studying for this because as I'm reading it, 
it felt like the text was just a mirror right back on myself. And there were so many things, like I was just, it's been a long week physically already, like I said, but it just brought up so much of my flesh and so many ugly things. And it was one of those weeks that I'm sure Steve would share of just like when you're reading, the Lord's just like, hey dude, if you're going to share this, you need to be aware of what's going on in your heart and in your life. And it was super humbling because I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, Lord, like what comes out of a man is what defiles him. Anger at work. Anger on the highway. Bitterness towards a client. Impatience with this. Pride in this area. And I was like, whoa. So guys, let's take a moment during the song and just say, Lord, where would you have me allow you in to work on my heart? What is it I'm holding on to? Is there something I don't see? Maybe it's blatant. For me in some areas, it is. That pride or that bitterness, it's blatant at times and it's humbling. But this passage was really encouraging, just saying, okay, Lord, like, start there. If there's an area for the Lord to start tonight, don't wait till you get home, you'll forget. You'll get sleepy. Tonight, Say, Lord, I want you to address this in my heart. Maybe it's grown out of control. Maybe it's just ugly. Let him have his work in your heart tonight, amen, so that we could worship in spirit and in truth so that our heart can have that oneness with our Jesus. And just to let you know, guys, if there is that thing, he loves you. There's so much grace. There's so much mercy that we have from his blood and the cross. He loves you. He doesn't look at you any differently. He doesn't look at me when I have those things and go, ooh, you're teaching tonight. That's gross. Fix that. He loves us. And he wants to come in and he wants to have his commandment have an impact and a, the work completed when we just say, okay, Lord, take over. Clean house. Oh, Father, thank you so much that you love us so much that you, you don't want us to stay the way we are. <laughs> Lord, thank you that you desire for us to look like you. We can't do it on our own. Our own hearts are ugly and wicked, Lord, but we want to submit them to you. Thank you so much that you are working in our hearts, Lord, that you are making us look more like you, Lord. I pray that that would be our heart's intent, that we would just desire to be more like you, Jesus. I pray that for myself and for these people here. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you were honored tonight, Lord, that you were glorified. Um, would, would what is me be forgotten and what was you stay? Lord Jesus, we love you. Please get everyone home safe. Um, bless the night of these individuals would it be sweet would it be relaxing and in your beautiful and holy name amen